Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well on this Tuesday. Normally, Tuesdays are spent with Seamus Fillmore, where we talk about Breaking Bad. However, Seamus uh, recently moved, as you know, if you follow the podcast. He's been uh, doing some uh, different things around the house, and he needed today off. So he'll be back tomorrow with me. We'll talk about episodes 11 and 12 of season three of Breaking Bad, and we're, we're getting near the end of this the season. There's one episode left after we recap tomorrow's episode. So uh, really getting interesting uh, and uh, some really good episodes we'll talk about tomorrow. Today, however, there's still a lot, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, it's pretty quiet in the sports calendar. I talked a lot about tennis yesterday. Obviously, baseball is in the, the back half here. Uh, it was a quiet night in the game, in the uh, sport of baseball when it comes to games. But then you had golf playing a Monday, which never happens because of the hurricane. Crazy finish, another playoff. We've seen, you know, six or seven this year on the uh, just on the PGA Tour. We had CFL news, um, the NFL. It's the preseason, but yet they continue to give us stories. And I, you know, some big, including a big one out of Jacksonville. I, I think when it comes to their future and this present season. So we'll touch on that. We'll touch on the Bears decision, uh, the starting quarterback decision that they made today, um, the Cowboys. So there's still a lot to talk about. Um, but I wanted to give everybody a little public service announcement about Thursday. So um, this is really on the fly, but um, you know, a friend of mine has helped me uh, connect with a few people. And Thursday at 4.30, live on Facebook, I will be doing an interview with Daryl Young. Daryl is a hockey lifer. Uh, he's been started working in hockey since the age of 21 in, in CIS. He's worked in the queue. Um, he's done a lot of the pros, including uh, in the early 2000s with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he's just a, a really interesting guy. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing him. We'll talk about hockey development, his experiences, his career on Thursday at 4.30. So I'll, I'll be making a post about that just so everybody knows when it is and how to, how to reach it. And I plan on putting a, um, a podcast uh, on the – I plan on putting it on Apple as well. So it'll be live, and then I'll convert it into audio after the fact. So if you can't listen to the interview, if you don't have Facebook – you can, um, you can reach it here on the podcast medium as well. So that's going to be Thursday. Should be a lot of fun. I'm also trying to line up another interview with a member of the Leafs um, player development staff, actually. That's not 100% concrete yet, but I am working towards getting that interview. So when I get that information, you all know as well. So some interesting things happening here to the point, trying to you know get some interviews lined up. Still going to be doing the normal content, you know, uh, solo shows, just myself, uh, obviously the shows with Seamus, and also with the NFL season right around the corner, uh, Matt Wright, I plan Adam Beers, who, who was on frequently last NFL season, uh, and a, a plethora of other guests I want to have on to talk NFL. Um, every week I do want to have an NFL guest on. I'm trying to also uh, get, you know, an NFL analyst on the podcast. I, I love hockey and I love talking about it. I think it's fascinating, but nothing is more 
nothing's better to me than the National Football League. It's the most intriguing sport in the world. It's what I love every Sunday from next weekend really on. It's going to be a football weekend for me. The NFL doesn't start until the following weekend, but a week from Saturday, it's college football and it's going. You got Alabama, Miami, week one. Um, you got some Atlanta, uh, sorry, uh, Georgia versus uh, Clemson in, the, in uh, the 8.30 game next Saturday night. So with football right around the corner, I do want to try to get some football guests on to talk about the game, go through it all. But, you know, it's, you know, we're approaching episode 200 here into the point. This is episode 177 today. So I just want to keep getting, you know, keep doing more. And hopefully you guys can enjoy the content. Let me know uh, what you think of it. Uh, I appreciate every loyal listener and follower of To The Point, And hopefully I can continue to provide some good content, some good interviews for you guys over the course of, you know, the NFL season, the NHL season again, as it starts up again. And, um, a month and change. So um, a lot of good things happening and hopefully some great things around the corner here for all of you to listen to in the not too distant future. Um, let's start today about talking about golf and, you know, golf is a sport I really only picked up a few years ago, but it's really, it's so interesting to me. You know, I've heard forever, and I used to even say it, oh, it's too boring or, you know, they play slow. And believe me, there are guys on the PGA Tour who I watch and I want to wring their neck, Justin Rose, because they play so slow. But yesterday was great theater. Um, you had the start of the day, the world number one, John Rahm, in the lead. He has led start to finish. And he held that lead until about the 11th hole when Cam Smith took the lead, Cameron Smith, the Aussie. And, but then John Rom quickly got it back birdieing 13 for the next few holes. He held the lead, but it was Tony Finau who made the late push. Tony Finau, who is so, you know, he's won one PJ tour event before yesterday and 126 players have won a PJ tour event between his victory and yesterday's. That's, that's a good chunk of change. And, he, he battled, you know, on the par five, 13th, the Eagles, he birdies 14 and he takes the lead on the 15th hole after John Rom bogeyed on 14. And from there, it really, John Rom had an opportunity on 16. He could have made it a three-way playoff where he had a decently, a good chance at birdie missed, and he couldn't make another birdie down the stretch. Cam Smith did birdie 16, which is the short par four. And he sent it into a playoff. So this was a battle Finau versus Smith. And on the first playoff hole, the 18th hole, um, Cameron Smith bogeyed the hole while Tony Finau parred it to win his second career PGA Tour event. And Finau has been one of the best players in the world, but he just never wins. And I've talked about here about how many great players there are on the PGA Tour about how Colin Morikawa and John Rahm and Brooks Kepka and Jordan Spieth, and there's so many great players. Well, Tony Finau is right there. I didn't include him on that list, which is my, my fault, but I look at it and think, Tony Finau is right there. 
he's always in top fives. He's in frequently in the top tens. And like Louis Ostazen, who I kind of compare him to, he's always at the top of the leaderboard. He's always in contention. But when it gets to Sunday, it never goes his way. And oddly enough, Sunday's rained out. And the final round's on a Monday. Now, that, that might be nothing. But maybe mentally in his head, just playing on a Monday and not having that this normal Sunday was something positive to him. And what's interesting about Tony Finau as well, uh, and this is just, I think of Tiger, uh, Tony Finau is black. And Tiger being uh, you know, multicultural has, you know, he really created, he, he, he broke off all from being a white male sport. It white straight men play golf and you were allowed into country clubs. If you were a white straight male, then tiger woods came over and became the greatest player. Maybe since Jack Nicholas. And you see, you know, the Harold Varners and the Tony Finau's and the Hideki Matsuyama's and the Kevin Nas these Asian, uh, black, you know, uh, just multicultural players join the game of golf. And now it's so diverse. But Finau is a guy who's always been there. And it's still rare to see a black golfer because it is starting to increase. But of course, like in anything, there's more, there's still a lot of white people who play the game of golf because that's really where it got its start. So Finau is, is different in that, in that sense that he is an African-American and he broke through yesterday. And with the win, his second career PGA Tour event, PGA Tour win, he has jumped to number one in the FedEx Cup standings. He started the day in the in eighth. He's jumped to number one. And John Rahm started the tournament seventh. He's now number two, followed by Cam Smith. So Smith is behind uh, John Rahm just by uh, looks like 23 points in the, in the standings. And they're followed by Patrick Cantlay. Justin Thomas has risen to fifth. Colin Morikawa, who started the week number one. Jordan Spieth, um, Harris English, Bryson DeChambeau, and Abraham Anser round out the top 10. Now the top 70 are making it to next week at the BMW. So just looking at it, Phil Mickelson is number 70. He's crept in. He will play next week. He missed the cut this week. Ryan Palmer missed the cut. Taylor Gooch. You have Harry Higgs. The Canadian Mackenzie Hughes is 65th. So he's crept in. He's playing next week. You have Keith Mitchell who had a good week that pushed him through. Harold Varner rose to 56th. Russell Henley, Tom Hogue, who finished uh, tied for third, has now 48. So now it's now we shift from B top 70. You play Thursday. Now it's get into the top 30, and you're guaranteed to play at every major next year. Now, right now, Max Homa is in 30th. Kevin Kisner trails him by. 54 points. So it's very close. 
Um, you know, Rory McIlroy only leads Charlie Hoffman, who's in 29th, by 60-some points. So it's just about playing well. Dustin Johnson, surprising enough, missed the cut. He's in 22nd, so I did kind of criticize him last week, but he's he's right now in there. Canadian Corey Connors had a great week last week, finishing in the top 10. He's 20th, so he's safely in as of right now. You got Hideki Matsuyama at 16, Brooks Kepka at 15, Hovland, Shoffley, Sam Burns. So a lot of great players, but this week, of course, seeing who wins is interesting. But to me, you know, just as interesting is can a guy make a push? Can somebody creep in? Can Harry Higgs, can Mac Hughes, can Keith Mitchell make another push and get into that top 30? And you're going to have to play really well. You know, creeping into that top, you're going to have to play really solid golf. You're going to have to, having a top 10 finish is important because it allows you to jump guys. And somebody like, you know, a Max Homa or Charlie Hoffman, who are just around that 30, that cut line, we'll say, they need to have a big week here because it's, this is, this is what it's about. Can you get there? Stay where you are. Play consistent and, you know, don't let these other a great, somebody with a great week surpass you in the standings. And then all of a sudden you're missing out on an opportunity, you know, looking down, Matthew Wolf, Seamus power, Matthew Pitts, Matthew Fitzpatrick. These are some of the names that missed out on playing next week, Adam Scott. Um, so Canadian Adam Hadwin is gone now, Gary Woodland, a major champion. So nobody too, crazy didn't uh make it through but you know congratulations to tony finau i'm sure this tournament is gonna bother john rom because he really should have won it he kind of melted yesterday the conditions weren't the easiest um but at the same time he's the best player in the world so you need to close out you know you need to finish and he didn't so we'll see what he can do uh next week but, you know, for Finau, it's been five years. It's been a five years since getting a victory. And forever, it's like, well, Tony Finau's gonna, finally going to win. And then he'd come up short, you know, time and time again. So maybe this is it for Tony. I mean, he's, it would take a colossal disaster for him not to play in the Tour Championship a week from Thursday, starting a week from Thursday. But what kind of position are you going to be in? If he can have another really good week, you know, getting to the top 30, but it's about how many strokes you are away from being at the top. And if he can stay inside the top five, he has a legitimate shot of winning the tour championship, having another strong week. And you're there, you know, winning this week would be great, but winning back-to-back weeks on the PGA tour is extremely difficult. If you can just play solid, have a top 10 finish, He'll likely be in that top five position. And then, like I said, have a good week. You don't have to play the best golf. And you have a good position to win. And the winner of the Tour Championship takes home $15 million. It's a pretty good payday. What an end to the year. Okay, you don't win a major, but you go in the Tour Championship, you get $15 million. All of a sudden, your year of, well, I didn't win the, the Memorial. I just missed out in the Masters. You know, that would, it would be okay with me. You pocket $15 million and you go home to the wife. Pretty sure she's going to be pretty happy with you. Um, 
or just, you know, better you go home to, you know what I mean? And, uh, say non-wife, uh, and, uh, you, you should probably be happy with you too. Uh, but it, it's good opportunity here for, for Tony Finau, the BMW starts Thursday, plays through Sunday. Then we have the tour championship from Eastlake golf club in Atlanta, Georgia on a, a week from Thursday. So we'll see what happens. You know, golf will be up and running again. Uh, players are traveling today. I think they planned on getting around, you know, practice rounding today and tomorrow, kind of figure out the um, the course a little bit. And two Canadians out of the possible four have made it into the the top 70 in the PGA Tour. Mackenzie Hughes obviously made the Tour Championship last year. Corey Connors is in position right now to do that. Mackenzie Hughes is 65th. He will need a really good outing this week at the BMW to push himself into that position to join his fellow countrymen. Corey Connors needs to have another, has another good round. Potentially he, he could be in a much better position to ultimately push and potentially be in, in position to win the tour championship. So we'll see what happens at the BMW, but Tony Finau breaks his streak five-year drought, gets another victory. And perhaps this is a, a turning point of his career, not just win the tour championship, but getting a victory Maybe it's a new mindset for him next season, and he you know, captures his first major. He has all the skills. He's a great driver. He's got uh, his short game is very strong. His putting really was the key to him winning this tournament. So it wouldn't shock me to see him be in contention. He's always in contention at majors. Wouldn't shock me to see him ultimately take home a victory um, next season. So we'll see what progresses and what happens um, starting Thursday. Um, NFL preseason, I talked about it yesterday, but, you know, rookie quarterbacks, and that's really the talk of the town when it comes to the NFL. And we did see a spotlight game last night where it was a solo game. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars traveled to New Orleans to play the Saints. And it's two really interesting off seasons and two interesting training camps for these teams for two very different reasons. For the New Orleans Saints, for the past 15 years, they've known who's going to be their starting quarterback week one. It's been obvious. It's future Hall of Famer, Drew Brees. The second all-time leading passer in NFL history, second all-time in touchdown passes, and one of the best stories in NFL history where he was drafted by the Chargers. They looked at his, at his elbow. They thought, this guy can't play anymore. His shoulder was also ding. They said, he's never going to make it. Found a specialist, worked on it, had surgery. The Dolphins at the time wouldn't take him. They said, no, uh, we don't trust that medical. They let him go. Sean Payton spies him and says, you know what? I think this Drew, Drew Brees kid, he can make it. Takes Drew Brees and the rest is history. They win one Super Bowl, but they have a 15-year period where they have a solid, solid quarterback play. He's never won an MVP, but came very close. And, you know, they got jobbed out of going to a second Super Bowl against when the Rams didn't get pass for, didn't get called for pass interference. But, you know, they've had stability. So now they head into this training camp where they have two quarterbacks that were on the roster last season, oddly enough. They have Taysom Hill, who it was a quarterback at BYU, was undrafted, but He's been a 
Swiss Army Knife for the New Orleans Saints. He's played some running back. He's played tight end. He plays special teams. And he's a jack of all trades where he can run the ball, he can catch, he can tackle. And while still being a quarterback, but he's got so much value in adding, you know, adding a different element to the table that, uh, you know, Drew Brees never could. He didn't have the athletic ability. Drew Brees was not a quarterback that could move. He was a pocket passer. Well, Taysom Hill is a big, big man that can run and take over defensive backs with relative ease. The other quarterback on the roster is Jameis Winston. Now, Jameis's story is a little different. Jameis was drafted first overall out of Florida State. And he came into the league with some question marks. There was rumors about a rape scandal. And he had his his warts. Um, he was, was a guy with a big arm. He had won a national championship at Florida State, but he came into the league with Tampa Bay and he was a gunslinger, meaning he'd throw the ball down the field and he would hook up with guys for big touchdowns. You know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Vincent Jackson, when he first came into the league, he'd have big numbers, but he was also a turnover machine where he risked it for the biscuit all the time. And too often, it was a disaster for him. And two years ago, he was with the Bucs, and he threw 30 touchdown passes. It's a good statistic. And he also threw for 5,000 yards. Another good statistic. There's very few quarterbacks who have thrown for 5,000 yards. So you think, okay, he's an elite company. And he is for the wrong reasons. That same season, he threw 30 interceptions. First quarterback ever to be in the 30-30 club, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions in the same season. I wouldn't want to be in that club alone. And so the Bucs say, yeah, Jameis got a lot of talent, but he makes too many mistakes. Maybe we could sign somebody reliable that we know is going to make a smart choice, that has a decent arm, but can also... You know, he's not going to turn the ball over that often. So let's go sign Tom Brady. They let Jameis go for nothing. He signs with the Saints to be their third string quarterback. And the Bucs go on to win the Super Bowl. So getting rid of Jameis Winston, because they kept all the same pieces, Shaq Barrett, they did draft Evan White, but they had Chris Godwin, they had Mike Evans, they had Levante David, they had a similar team. Yeah, Gronk was a nice ad, um, Antonio Brown, but those were bit pieces. The most important position in all of pro sports is quarterback. They replaced Jameis with Tom equals Lombardi. So it's not exactly a great, you get the 30-30 club, then you get replaced, and your replacement wins a Super Bowl with the team that you were just on and you were in the same division as your former team and it didn't take a snap last year. Ouch. And last season, the Saints had an injury. Drew Brees was hurt and they didn't go to Jameis. They went to Taysom Hill, who Sean Payton seems to have this affinity for and I don't really get it. I like uh, Taysom Hill a lot. Um, I like Taysom Hill as a punt returner, as a receiver, as a fullback, as a tight end, as a quarterback. I don't see it. 
normally BYU quarterbacks don't pan out. And he went to BYU. Zach Wilson, the Jets are hoping he's the anomaly here. But I just look at Taysom Hill and say, he has so much value when he's not the quarterback. And Jameis has his warts. I've just went through a number of them. But last night's game was really, who's going to be the starter? This was the, it's the dress rehearsal game. It's the, there's only three preseason games this year for teams because they added the 17th game. So they eliminate one of them. And last night's game was just a look to see who's going to be the starting quarterback week one for the Saints when they play the Packers. And to me, it, it's, it's, it's not a competition anymore. The starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints is Jameis Winston. And I could really pinpoint it to two throws. He threw two dime touchdown passes to Marquez Calloway. First one in the end zone, Callaway's pass interfered, makes an incredible catch. Second one, he throws it back, you know, kind of a back shoulder throw. Callaway reaches his arm over, grabs it one hand, crosses the pylon. But what you saw here was Winston having the ability to throw the ball down the field. And he threw it where the defender was not going to intercept the ball. Callaway and both, both, uh, both catches had body position. And Jameis didn't throw it where the DB could turn around. And it's in his lap. It was in a position where his receiver was going to catch it. And he threw two touchdowns last night, threw for 128 yards and 14 points on three series. And he would have had more points, but his offensive line in the second series had three straight false starts, which pushed them out of field goal range. So I look at, and I just look, Taysom came in. It, it wasn't, wasn't pretty for him. He didn't play well, and he was under pressure, and he again, he's playing with the secondary offensive line. But I, it's preseason, but Jameis is a legitimate quarterback. A guy doesn't go number one overall because normally because he stinks. And you could look and say, well, David Carr was a bust. Or, you know, X, Y, and Z didn't pan out. And yeah, there are quarterbacks drafted high that don't work out, but you also got to look at where did he go? What kind of situation is he in? Now, Jameis, I don't think Jameis has been a bust because he, he's thrown for 5,000 yards. But Sean Payton is not Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians' system is we're throwing the ball down the field and you know we'll, we'll have an interception here and there, but we'll make up for it because we're a big play team. Sean Payton will allow quarterbacks to throw for the big play. But... He's also going to check the ball down because guess who he has in the backfield? Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara is as good a receiver as he is a running, as he is at being a running back. And he's so, he's such a luxury to have. And I think Jameis can use him very effectively. He's a better back than he ever had in Tampa Bay. And, you know, that's a big addition. But I look at it and say, Jameis is the starter week one. And is Taysom going to be the backup quarterback or will rookie Ian Book be the backup quarterback from Notre Dame? Because I, if I'm the Saints, I'm keeping three quarterbacks on my roster. They have Trevor Simeon on the roster as well, who's formerly of the Vikings and the Broncos. But I cut Simeon. He, you know what he is. He's 
average at best. I'm sure a team will scoop him up on the scrap heap. You know, the Cowboys could use him as a backup quarterback. Atlanta could use him after they, uh, after their backup quarterback, AG McCarron tore his ACL. He's out for the season. So what, you know, he, you just know what he has. Ian book, you know, to me at Notre Dame, I never saw a guy that I thought was going to be an NFL starter for 15 years, but Taysom, I, I want to have Jameis be my quarterback, but I also want Tamus to run some, run some patterns for me. And if Taysom's your only other active quarterback on game day, well, if Taysom gets hurt on a tight end screen, his knee, he buckles at knee, his knee goes down. And then Jameis gets sacked in the next play and he's out for the game. Guess who's in that quarterback? Your punter. And that's a disaster. Having Tamus, you know, on the on the game sheet as a tight end, and then having Ian Book on it as a backup quarterback allows you to dress three quarterbacks and kind of break the system here where Tamus can be a tight end on your roster and you can see what happens. Now they uh, Adam Tro- Adam Trotman, their starting tight end. He left the game last night. He's MRIs were negative. He should be okay, which was a big relief for the Saints. But I, to me, it's now the most interesting element to me of the New Orleans Saints is, will you put Ian Book in that backup role? And what do you do with Taysom Hill? Because it's very dangerous to put Taysom Hill as the only other active quarterback on your roster when he's, his only plays are going to be on special teams, running as a tight end slash running back, because what if he gets dinged? If he gets a concussion, he has to leave the field. And then Jameis gets sacked hard and he has to leave the game. Like I said, you're putting Thomas Morstead, who's 38 years old, your punter in as your starting quarterback, or you put your, you know, uh, backup wide receiver as a, as an emergency quarterback. We saw how that went last year for the Broncos. It was a disaster. So I think the saints can do some really interesting things here. Ian book could never touch the field this season, but I think Taysom Hill wants to be on a roster. And to me, him holding a clipboard for the whole season as a backup is not where I want. That's not where he does his best work. Playing quarterback is not where he does his best work. Taysom Hill is such a weapon, such a luxury when he's playing tight end, when he's playing running back, when he's an H back. That's where I want Taysom Hill. Not lining up behind center, throwing passes to Marquez Callaway, to Trotman, to uh, uh, LeJohn Richardson. And for me, you know, the Saints, Michael Thomas had surgery late. He's going to miss start to the miss the start to the season. Who knows how long he's going to be out? But Marquez Callaway, an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee, is going to be a stud for the New Orleans Saints. This guy, two touchdowns last night, almost 100 yards in a preseason game, where he only played a quarter and change. And he can make every throw. He can run every route. And I think he's going to be such a luxury for Jameis Winston where, you know, if you want to chuck a deep ball, it's Callaway, you know, put up the best corner can try to cover him. He's not going to be an easy matchup. And I love what, what he's shown so far in the preseason. He jumps off the screen. You know, he jumped off the screen more than any other player last night, not included Jameis Winston throwing him the ball, but we'll see. But I think for the saints, it's, it's changing the guard. Drew Brees is no longer the quarterback. But to me, the starter is easy. It's just what can Sean Payton do 
to be creative and really help this offense get to another level. Now their opposition last night, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they, their defense didn't look great early against the ones of the saints. And another struggling element of their game was their offensive line. Uh, you saw left tackle Cam Robinson really get exposed last night. He, who they have under the franchise tag, who they wanted to keep, you know, they didn't protect number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence that well last night. And I've heard from analysts, well, this offensive line is going to be a strength. It's not going to be a hindrance for Jacksonville. Well, they didn't convince me of that last night. I looked at the Jags and said, they just got whooped last night. The Saints D-line, Cam Jordan and uh, Erickson, and these boys just tore them apart. And we've seen what happened to Justin Fields on Saturday where he got drilled uh, and really hit hard. Trevor Lawrence was under siege all night. He had to you know, make throws off his back foot. And after playing the entire first half, he only had six points. And a lot of his drives didn't get anywhere because he would have to scramble. And he, I, I did think he held on to the ball a little bit longer than he should, but also he's you know, scrambling for his life. And then as he releases the ball, he take, takes a hit and he's on the ground. That's a long season. We've seen this happen with Deshaun Watson. Uh, he was a guy that, that was on Houston. The team looked really good. Throughout the season, he took a lot of hits towards ACL. And the season was over for Houston. And but you don't want, you know, Joe Burrow, last year, number one overall pick, had a terrible offensive line in Cincinnati towards ACL and MCL. He still hasn't played this preseason. It's now in jeopardy if he'll start the season because they're saying in camp that it looks like he doesn't trust his knee. And that can really be a mental block on a player if, number one, you don't trust your body after it's failed you after you tear multiple ligaments in your knee, but do you trust the team that you're on? Do you trust that offensive line to protect you for a guy like Joe Burrow? It would be hard to, because last season you took a beating and now you're looking around saying our team isn't that much better. Um, but for the Jags, you know, Trevor Lawrence to me so far hasn't shown anything spectacular, but it's a no brainer that he's going to be the week one starter. Number one overall pick, they got Houston. That's one thing that the Jags can really feel good about, and that's their schedule. They're, they're a team that finished dead last. You're not going to be a great team. Everybody knows that. But I look at their schedule, and I say, may, they could have a quiet start to the season and still miss the playoffs by a country mile, but they start the year at Houston. Houston is the worst team in football. I'd be surprised if anybody is worse than them. Maybe Philadelphia because they really have looked terrible lately, but that should be a victory. Week two, Jacksonville. Um, they have Denver at home. Denver, who knows? You know, you got Teddy Bridgewater, Vaughn Miller's back, Bradley Chubb. So that pass rush against that offensive line. Uh, you know, Justin Simmons, a great, uh, the great strong safety. I, I do think the Broncos will have a good defense. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, who knows? I don't think that's a, a game that Jacksonville, that's not an automatic L. So potentially, potentially a 2-0 start to the season. Then you go to week three, Arizona at home. That's not an easy game. I think Arizona is much better than Jacksonville. So you could say, okay, 2-1, fine, 2-1. and one. 
Then you got Cincinnati on Thursday night football. Well, I just talked about Joe Burrow. Is he playing week four? Um, and even if he is, Cincinnati stinks. Jamar Chase didn't play last year. He, he's there. He was drafted uh, fifth overall. He didn't play last year. They said in camp he's struggling. Dropping the ball a lot, not in great football shape after missing the whole season. So I'm just going through these games. At worst, to me, they're 2-2. Two and two. That's a pretty good start to the season for a team last year that went 1-15. So for Trevor Lawrence, who's a first-year quarterback, a rookie, and one overall who will have some pressure, this is a much better schedule to start your year because there's no expectation in Jacksonville. There's no pressure. Urban Meyer will be back next season regardless of the record unless he quits. It's like John Gruden in, in Oakland slash Vegas his first couple of years. The team could have been hot garbage. He's coming back because he's making $10 million a year. And Mark Davis trusts Gruden. He's hired him. He's going to do the job. But I do that the schedule really helps Jacksonville. And, you know, they follow it up with the Titans. That's not an easy game. But then they play Miami in London. So who knows there? I, I just look at it and say the schedule is beneficial for, for Trevor Lawrence early in his career. Where, yes, I'm looking at the schedule saying, you know, they'll win those games. But I, I, I know it was a good team and who's not. And you're hoping that your offensive line can gel and improve over these first couple of weeks before you get into some tougher opponents when you have to go to Seattle and you have to go to tougher, you know, play, play at Indy when you got some, you know, DeForest Buckner chasing after Trevor Lawrence the whole game. So I do think there's that. But, you know, the Jags got some tough news today. They're 25th overall pick in this year's draft. Travis Etienne, also out of Clemson, running back, really, I think was going to be a Swiss Army knife, a third third down back. James Robinson is their starting tailback. He ran for 1,000 yards last season. But Etienne's, are, I think, a guy they would have put out of the backfield, maybe put him out at wide receiver on some place, put him in the slot. But last night he hurt his foot, and he's out for the season. He's got that Liz Frank, which is a terrible injury. It's a foot injury that keeps you out long-term. He is expected to miss the entire season. And it hurts Trevor Lawrence because he has a rapport with ETN. They played together, so they have that connection. But it's not a, you know, like I said, this Jags team is not making the playoffs unless, you know, they shock the world. But they still have James Robinson. Like I just said, he's a thousand yard running back. So he can, he's not the greatest pass catcher out of the backfield. He's not what I, I don't think he'll be Najee Harris. What Najee Harris, I think Najee Harris can be a stud for Pittsburgh, but he's, he, he's a guy that can run the football. He can take plays off and make Trevor Lawrence's life easier. So ETN's it, it is a loss, but I do think it's something that Jacksonville can manage. He's not their number one back and they have to be grateful that they do have depth of that position where James Robinson and Carlos Hyde are both on the roster to fill in and ultimately they're going to be a higher in the depth chart than Travis Etienne, no matter what. Now, another team with a rookie quarterback, the Chicago bears announced today that they are sticking with Andy Dalton. He is QB one. They said that back in March. Uh, and they announced today that he's not going to play in their final preseason game this weekend. 
that Justin Fields will play close to a half, and then they'll pivot over to Nick Foles, the third-string quarterback. But he is he's Andy Dalton, the veteran, Cincinnati, for close to a decade with the Cowboys last year. He's going to be the Bears' starting quarterback week one. Now, as a fan of football, I'm selfish. I want to see Justin Fields play. I watched him a ton at Ohio State. I like him. I think he has the potential to be the best quarterback in this draft. You know, I think a lot of people talk about Trevor Lawrence, uh, of course, being number one overall, Trey Lance. But I just there's something about Fields that I really like. You know, being in Chicago scares me because that's a quarterback graveyard. But um, they they still have Allen Robinson, David Montgomery. They have some good players. But really, where, like Jacksonville, what does Chicago lack? A really good offensive line. And we saw that on Saturday. Fields took a big hit. And I think they, they couldn't keep Charles Leno. They, they got uh, Telvin uh, Joseph, who's out for, for most of the season. He's not going to be available. So this offensive line is patchwork at best. And I think they look at it and say, I'd rather have Andy Dalton taking the big hits than our rookie quarterback. And I understand that. And just you know, making a Jacksonville argument about their schedule, the Bears don't have as easy of a schedule. They start the season Sunday night football at the Rams. Now, that would have been a great day, you know, first Sunday of the NFL season, seeing Justin Fields making his debut on Sunday night football at SoFi Stadium. But think about it. Bad offensive line. And you got Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, all these boys coming at you, trying to take your head off. And the Rams are coming off a season where they lose to Green Bay. They Their only aspiration this year is Super Bowl or bust. And I'm sure they're, they're going to be coming out of the gates looking to take somebody's head off. Then the Bears play Cincinnati. Much easier game. I could see... Andy Dalton being a one-game starter. And that's stupid to me because I, I think you play the quarterback you think you has the best chance to win. That's why I have a lot of problems with teams that go with the veteran for one or two games and then make the, make the change. I go with the rookie from the start. Peyton Manning had one of the worst rookie quarterback seasons ever. Troy Aikman, same thing. Carson Palmer. They got through it. Carson Palmer's never won a Super Bowl, but they played in the league over 12 years each. And, you know, two of them are in the Hall of Fame. Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning combined at five Super Bowls. Building character, going through a tough season. If you're mentally tough, if you're going to make it in the NFL, you need to learn how to do it. So, you know, the Bears at home in Cincinnati, I see that as a win. Then the Bears go to Cleveland. That's no easy game. You got Miles Garrett who's going to you know, be coming at you. You've got uh, Jadavian Clowney playing alongside him now. You, there's a great pass rush in, Cle- in Cleveland. they got a great defense just in general with, uh, you know, with Greedy Williams coming back and, uh, and uh, Grant Delpit in, in the safety, playing safety back there. They, they're, the Cleveland Browns are loaded. So that's another tough start. And then the Bears put, okay, the Lions win. Uh, don't need to say more there. Uh, and then they have, they go to Vegas. So it, it is a tough schedule, but it, much tougher than the aforementioned Jaguars. And, but I like, 
if Andy Dalton plays one or two games, I'm going to be questioning this decision. You know, I'll bring us back to this discussion today and say, why didn't you just throw the rookie out there? Because to me, he, he looks ready to play. You know what Andy Dalton is. He's been in the league for 10 plus years. He had some good runs in Cincinnati. He was a pro bowler. But he has so many limitations. And he was on a Cowboys team last year with a great receiving core, and he couldn't get them into the playoffs in a terrible division. The Washington football team won a division with a 7-9 record. And Andy Dalton couldn't make the playoffs. So this year for the Bears, for Ryan Pace, the GM, for Matt Nagy, this is win or go home, literally. Because I think if this team misses the playoffs, at least if they don't have a winning record, both of these men will be fired. They're on their second rookie quarterback. They traded up to draft Mitch Trubisky, who they thought was going to be to change their franchise forever. They took him. They had him for uh, four years, second overall pick, and they make the playoffs. They never win a playoff game. They say, we hate you, Mitch. They bench him for Nick Foles. It was terrible. And Matt Nagy's offense got worse year after year. He refused to run the football for some reason. And Trubisky is now a backup quarterback for Josh Allen in Buffalo. So now you get your second chance. You have Trubisky, a number two overall pick. Justin Fields at 10. But to, you don't get a grace period with Justin Fields. It's we're winning now because Detroit stinks. Minnesota Vikings are as bad right now as they have been in a very long time. They missed the playoffs last year, but Kyle Rudolph's gone. Their defense was bottom five in the NFL last year. Kirk Cousins is not exactly Mr. Clutch. and It's not a guy that you think of when it comes to success. So you think this is it, you know, the Packers. Yeah. They've been in the back of my NFC championship games, but Aaron Rodgers wants out every other day. There's turmoil there. Can we do something here? Can we, can we win this division? Can we prove some people wrong? And I, that's a ton of pressure on a, on a kid and as a quarterback, but he's going to play this year. I think there's a hundred percent chance he plays this year because Andy Dalton is not to be coming out of the gates looking like a rock star. So why not just give him the reins from the beginning? And maybe maybe he'll start week two against Cincinnati because it's an easier opponent. But throwing a game away in week one, being 0-1, then saying, well, we got to go to our rookie now makes no sense to me. And if that's what happens, I'll be questioning that decision the entire season. And if you miss the game, miss the playoffs by one game, you can pinpoint that game because you didn't go with the better option. San Francisco is in the same spot where they're in the toughest position, toughest division in football, where San Francisco, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, you got Trey Lance, but in the division, you got Seattle, who's a perennial playoff team with Russell Wilson, a future Hall of Famer. You got Kyler Murray in Arizona, who... Missed out in the playoffs last year, but you know they want to make it. They've added J.J. Watt. They still have Chandler Jones. They got A.J. Green. They've loaded up their team. They drafted Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. They, they have playoff aspirations. And Kyler Murray's drafted number one overall pick quarterback. Then the Rams. Trade for Matthew Stafford, former number one overall pick at quarterback. Who everybody seems to think this guy is 
the greatest quarterback to never win a playoff game, let alone win a Super Bowl, never win a playoff game after just being left for dead in Detroit year over year. So if you go with Jimmy G for two, three weeks and it's you start 0-3 and then you say, well, now we're going to go to Trey Lance. Why wouldn't Trey Lance be the starter from week one? Because you're not making up three games in that division more than likely because there's too many good teams. And he's going to – you got to play the Rams eventually. You got to play the, the pass rush in, in Arizona eventually. I'm, I'm just telling the, these head coaches – don't be afraid to put a guy in a position that you're going to be willing to put him in three weeks down the road. What's the difference? To me, there's no difference because if you're willing to put him in a position that ultimately is worse because you're starting him, say you start 0-3, then you throw a rookie quarterback in. How much pressure's on that rookie? If you had playoff aspirations, a ton. See, if Trevor Lawrence was jumping in, it's not that much pressure because Jacksonville has no expectations. Their only expectation is to be better than Houston, who have nobody at quarterback. They have a terrible team, and they basically tanked so that they can get a number one overall pick, get the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft. That's your, that's your expectation. Bears, to me, expectation, at least push for a playoff spot, have a winning record. And for San Francisco with Trey Lance, expectations are Super Bowl. For Kyle Shanahan, for John Lynch, it's not just, well, Kyle Shanahan's a boy genius. And, you know, we're just going to hope he can develop Trey Lance. And John Lynch came from the booth and it's going to work out. Yeah, we got to a Super Bowl a few years ago. That's not how the NFL works. The NFL is win now. And especially with the money they've given out, and the players that they have, and Nick Bosa's coming back off injury, and you got Solomon Thomas is back, and you got a loaded squad, Debo Samuel, George Kittle is back healthy, one of the best tight ends in football. It's win now. And my, the Bears have already missed out on this opportunity, but I'll give advice to San Francisco. Put your quarterback in a better position from week one. Don't stick him in a position that is worse week three or four. And then he has to overcome expectation fans clamoring for him. And then he has no NFL experience. So then when it doesn't work out, it's like, well, is this guy really our future? How well did that work out for Sam Darnold in New York? Where at the end, everybody booed him. They never gave him a position. They never gave him a chance to succeed. And he'll be an interesting case study this year in Carolina. But I, to me, it's really simple. If you're in the back of your mind, you're saying to yourself, our rookie quarterback is going to play this year. And you're a team that has some expectations. If your thought is, well, he's pretty cool. He's, you know, he's right there. He's probably better, but we're going to go with the veteran because that's what, that's what history says we should do. History doesn't mean squat because I just gave you history. Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning started as rookies. How did their careers turn out? Pretty good. Uh, pretty good players. I mean, yeah, Tom Brady sat. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers sat. But those teams didn't have expectations. And also... Green Bay had Brett Favre at quarterback. In the Hall of Fame, 
I don't like him personally, but he's in the Hall of Fame. He's a great player. Steve Young didn't play. Yeah, because he had Joe Montana, the GOAT, in front of him. Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe was a Pro Bowl quarterback. Jimmy G is a frequently injured quarterback. No more for going on dates with porn stars than anything he does on the football field. Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, is known for losing playoff games and being that guy who played for Cincinnati, who hasn't won a playoff game in a very long time. So I, I just think it's very simple. If you're, if you're planning, planning on playing your rookie quarterback, do it from jump and play him the whole year. Because unless your offensive line, which is your fault if this happens, Cincinnati did it last year, unless your offensive line is so terrible and you know it, that you're afraid to put your rookie quarterback out there, then shame on you, general manager, because you should have spent money on an offensive line to at least try to get an offensive line to protect him. Your team might not be any good, but if you're at Chicago, you should have a decent offensive line because you had no money on quarterbacks. Don't sign Andy Dalton for $10 million. Sign Get an offensive line that you trust if you don't. For Jacksonville, you had the most cap space in the entire NFL. If you don't have a sufficient offensive line, which it doesn't look right now, it can get better after watching the first two preseason games, what the hell are you doing? And your offensive line coach, get it together. Get them in rhythm. Because otherwise, you're in a mess and your rookie quarterback could be Joe Burrow 2.0, and your future is really murky like it is in Cincinnati right now. Before we leave the NFL, uh, that's my little little uh, rookie quarterback brand of the day. The Dallas Cowboys are always in conversation. They're America's team, which is ridiculous. But, you know, Dallas Cowboys have nearly gone 25 years, quarter century without winning a Super Bowl. They've almost gone a quarter century since being in a NFC championship game. Yet, you know, they're not in the news right now because they have Super Bowl aspirations. They're in the news because Dak Prescott is not playing in the preseason. Dak Prescott, who just signed for the record uh, record money for a quarterback until Josh Allen uh, surpassed him just a few weeks ago, is slated to make $75 million this season with salary and bonus money. And he's coming off uh, ankle surgery. That, that ankle injury looked career. It was it's still one of the most disturbing things I've ever watched. That video gets tackled from behind and that ankle, oh, it was, it was scary to see. Um, and, but he's a fighter. He's came back from that. His ankle looks good, but now it's his, it's his throwing arm. They're saying that it's not dead arm. It's something to do with his elbow. He's talked to the New York Yankees and Texas Rangers uh, with baseball people about what's going on. And now it's still very murky because they're saying he should be ready for week one, but that Adam Schefter, the ESPN NFL insider, tweeted out that this could be something that affects Dak Prescott all season long. So what does this mean? And to me, Dallas has a decent team. Their defense was terrible last year. 
finishing bottom five in the NFL. The worst, the second worst season in Cowboys history when it comes to yards allowed. But they've added some talent. They got they drafted Micah Parsons, who I think him or Patrick Sertan are the two best defensive players in this draft. And I think they could go down as two of the best players in this draft because Sertan looks like a stud at corner for the Broncos and Micah Parsons just all over the field at linebacker for the Cowboys. Um, you add him. They added Kelvin Joseph out of so excuse me, out of Kentucky. They got uh, they got Tavon Diggs from uh, from Alabama. He's in his second season. He looks good. You know they still got the Wolf Hunter uh, uh, back there. They got um, Jalen Smith. So they the defense looks better on paper. They have Dan Quinn, who is a former defensive coordinator that has won a Super Bowl. But you look at it and say, well, if there's no Dak Prescott, you got Amari Cooper, who's a great number one receiver. You got Michael Gallup, who, who is great in the slot or is number two. And then C.D. Lamb, who they drafted last year, 17th overall, is a guy that has a ton of potential. Looks like a guy that could be a you know, potential 1,500 yards a year receiving type receiver. And so what? where does this go? And I, I look at this team and say, well, Dak Prescott needs to be playing for them to have any chance because look behind him. You have Cooper Rush as your backup quarterback. Yeah, a whole lot of comments in Cooper Rush being, you know, being efficient at quarterback. Behind him, you got Garrett Gilbert, who was a big, big name coming out of college, never turned out, never turned into anything, was a Cleveland Browns draft pick. And he's bounced around playing in the uh, Alliance of American Football. Uh, couldn't make a CFL roster. So this guy's been through it all. And then you have Bad, behind him, a.k.a. Benjamin Anthony DiNucci, who, like his initials, is hot garbage, is bad. And to me, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I look at Jacksonville and I say, what do you want? for Gardner Minshew Jr. the third. And Gardner Minshew is not going to win you a Super Bowl, but I'd, I'd like to have an insurance policy. Dak Prescott's now a frequently injured quarterback. He was a durable guy. His first four years, he never missed a start. But now back-to-back seasons with an injury. And if there is a game where he can't go, I don't want it to be Cooper Rush. Because unless you're playing Houston or Cincinnati, you can pencil that in as a, as a loss. Gardner Minshew gives you a chance to win. He's a good quarterback. I would take Nick Foles before Cooper Rush. And Nick Foles is, you know, he's great as a backup, as a every, every game starter. He's not going to be productive for you. He's never been that in his career. But just looking, I say, Cowboys, go out and get a backup quarterback because you don't have one on the roster, and it's such an important position to have. So go see Gardner Minshew. Is Nick Foles available? Even getting a, a Chase Daniel from the Chargers, who's in a battle with Easton Stick, likely one of them's going to get cut. If I'm the Cowboys, I scoop one of them up because you need. I think Atlanta is going to be a team that's looking for that as well. Matt, you know Matt Ryan's the obvious starter, but AJ McCarron tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Last night they signed Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, we just talked about him last week, 2017 draft, went 10th overall. He's bounced around the NFL from 
Arizona to Miami to San Francisco to from Tampa Bay. And he doesn't, he looks like the biggest bust. Josh Rosen's not a guy you can feel confident in being your backup quarterback. Uh, again, you don't want your backup to play. Dak Prescott is paramount for the Cowboys to have any kind of success this year and be a potentially win the division, which is very, it's a very winnable division. Washington has a great defense. Chase Young and Jonathan Allen and uh, Darren Payne, they, they got studs at the defensive line at their, def- you know, their front four are studs. They're all really good players. But their offense, it's improved. I, I like Curtis Samuel. I do. Uh, uh, Logan Thomas at tight end is a very good player. And, uh, you know, they do have some good skill position players. Terry McLaurin from Ohio State, still a great receiver. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, as good as he was in Miami last year, is, he's consistently inconsistent. That's what you know he's going to be. Some games he's going to throw for 350 and four touchdowns. The next week he'll throw for 120 and four picks. And then Taylor Heineke behind him is not exactly stability either. So I like the Cowboys quarterback position better. Giants, they've added some good players in Kenny Galladay. And, you know, they've given him Kyle Rudolph and new weapons. And Saquon Barkley is going to be back. And they, you know, they've improved their defense. But Daniel Jones has not been better over the course of his career than Dak Prescott. That is just a fact. So, again, I give the edge to the Dallas Cowboys. And you finish it off in Philly, who I think has a pretty terrible team. Their defense looks pathetic. And Jalen Hurts is unproven. Only played four starts in the NFL, three that he finished. And he's got a lot to prove. You know, Zach Hurts is a good weapon for him. He's got uh, 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 Smith from Alabama. Uh, but Devontae Smith, I'm sorry. I love him as a player. I think he's going to be a stud, but I worry about Devontae Smith rookie season because of Jalen Hurts being his quarterback. So where does that so if you look at on paper, just on quarterback alone, which is a huge the biggest part of the NFL, the Cowboys should win this division. They should. Doesn't mean they will, but to me right now they're the prohibitive favorite. And we'll see how that you know correlates into victories down the road here. But um if I'm the Cowboys, I try to get a Gardner Minshew from Jacksonville. I understand they don't want to move on from him. But, you know, if you have to offer a second-round pick to at least have a chance of this season, I think it's worth it. Um, you, know, a bit, you know, a lot of football today. I didn't plan on going that deep into football. But when, once I start talking football, I just, uh, just get the juices flowing. It's so fun to get back into that football uh, mindset. But um, – Obviously, we'll talk more baseball, but tomorrow I'll be back with, with Seamus. Like I said, on Thursday, I will have an interview. It'll be uh, interview time live, 4.30 on uh, Facebook Live, on the To The Point Facebook Live. You can catch that. It'll be with Daryl Young. Uh, so enjoy that. I'll be posting that just as a reminder throughout the week. But once again, Thursday, 4.30. He's been, he's done it all in the game of football, uh, sorry, in the game of hockey, uh, from the queue to the pros working for the Tampa Bay lightning. And I, uh, he, you know, I've only heard good things about the guy and uh, he's excited to do the interview. So, so am I, I'm excited to, to pick his brain and, and see, and see what we can talk about when it comes to, to drafting player development, 
and all the different inner workings of the game of hockey. So get ready for that for Thursday. More football talk throughout the week. Uh, we'll continue to do our NHL podcast series where we talk about the divisions and the signings throughout the free uh, throughout free agency. Still two West divisions to go, so uh, that'll be coming along shortly. So a lot of content, a lot of fun stuff coming here at, to the point. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, I, I, I enjoy covering and having people on, so I'll try to continue to do that as we move forward here. But for now, everybody have a great Tuesday. Be back tomorrow with Seamus, and we'll talk then.